Welcome to Amplify. We're the show that will help you take your message, whatever it may be, and get it out through social media, networking, and other marketing channels. Maybe even some that you've never thought of. Whether you're an organization, small or large business, or you just have the next positive message that's sure to go viral, you'll want to stay tuned this hour. Now, here's your host, Ken Rashawn. Welcome to a corona-free show. We are not going to have any coronavirus spread to anyone because we are doing this only through Skype. So as an audience, (laughs) you can feel, I guess, rest assured that everyone will be safe. How are you, Andrea? I am hunky-dory. I'm actually doing uh, doing surprisingly well during this uh, time of isolation. I'm getting a, a lot done at my office, which I'm always alone here, but uh, uh, my husband and my one daughter and her boyfriend are happy that we're all spending time together, and they love it that mom's cooking two or three times a day. So rare in their world, and it's a big plus for them. <laughs> well, I know that you want to get to the sponsors and also to our bio, but... Uh, uh, Alec is probably going to have some uh, jokes or humor he wants to share as well. But I really appreciated that uh, what you sent about Post Malone. Uh, that was really awesome. Oh, uh, yes. Um, uh, so for the audience, why don't you tell them what... what so Ken had uh, pointed out, because Ken uh, is, owns a DJ business, and so music is important to him. And he had shared a song with me uh, from Post Malone, and uh, is who is a musician, uh, for those of you who don't know that. And uh, so I found a little quote meme, a little funny thing about him, and sent that to Ken. Ken, do <coughs> you want to share that so people know what that said? Yeah, sure. So uh, many of the musicians are canceling their concerts, and so uh, Post Malone's has been postponed, uh, rescheduled, and so now his new name is going to be Post Pwned Malone. So I think that's really kind of a way of adapting. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, it's been really fun. There's a lot of musicians have been putting online concerts on. You can now watch a whole bunch of different operas online, and Broadway singers are getting on and singing and doing funny things like washing their hands and singing bars of music. And it's got me motivated to do some new fun things for the Keep Smiling movement. I've been recording jokes every day and getting them ready to put up for the Keep Smiling movement and doing some other interviews for the Keep Smiling movement. Uh, so you'll be seeing a lot more of that coming out, too. Um, that really helps amplify the goodness that uh, Ken and I and Barry Shore are sharing in the world around the movement. So super fun stuff. Yeah, and, and if we have missed you somehow and you are listening to the show and um, you are inspired to share your inspiring story and you have time to – two hours is what it takes typically to send in your story. If it gets approved, we will make a key smiling book for you, and they are going out to roughly 300 media stations in the next month or so. And Key Smiling Week, as everyone probably knows from the last couple of weeks, is May 25th to May 30th to celebrate National Smile Day on May 31st. And um, I wish all was well and good, but there is, uh, in our Amplify, we always like to talk about good things and happy and positive things, but I guess there's a little bit of a serious problem. Uh, White-collar crime is going up a bit uh, in the, I guess, middle-class neighborhoods that people are are on the streets and you have to use code words and give a lot of money to the person in the corner to get a roll of toilet paper. So it's not all, you know, nice (laughs) stuff we have to talk about here. Someone paid an exorbitant amount of money for toilet paper the other day. I heard it. It got, (laughs) it's really bad. Well, I was very fortunate. Um, uh, uh, We were not stocked up at all before this and when I came home uh, the other I had gone to seven different stores and no luck and uh, but we had one roll spare at each bathroom one at my office and our two bathrooms at home and I thought well we'll see how we do here we always have Kleenex and no paper towels and um, fortunately uh, we stopped we decided to go to a hardware store because we needed stuff because we're putting a new bathroom in um, you know hence the need for more toilet paper and uh, they had just Stock their shelves, so we were able. We and we were economical and smart. We only bought a supply pack of six, and uh, we're going to not be over ridiculous and leave enough for people and, and get it in the next stop. We've decided to think positively in our toilet paper um, uh, collection. <laughs> well, um, you know that could be TMI. I guess if that's going to be the TMI, we're going to go a little further with TMI. I had a friend who was Muslim, <laughs> and they did not need toilet paper, so we have ways of appreciating different religions and um, I guess 
personal habits, personal hygiene. So, <laughs> yeah, when, when, when I became a friend of his, he, he, well, well, I became a friend of his, and he was a phenomenal guy, and uh, I'm sure he still is. I've lost touch with him, but he uh, he says, hey, I'd like to have you come over to my house. Uh, we'd like to have you have a, a cultural experience, food, everything. And I said, okay, great. And he says, but um, I, I guess I have to go get toilet paper for you. And I said, that'd be nice, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that, that is different, if, and, uh, and not everybody practices that, but some do, and, and that, hence why the handshake with one hand is important, and you don't touch the person with the other one, um, even though they do wash their hands, you know, just uh, leaves a, a, a little too much to uh, the imagination. <laughs> well, it can leave a bad taste in your mouth, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially if you're eating afterwards. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so, I mean, um, so, there are some people that say this tastes like, S and it, they're actually maybe have had that experience. So tastes like we shit. don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, we have some sponsors well, to thank, and I want you to go uh, a little overboard because there's been some sponsors who've really stepped up to the plate. Um, Southwest being one of them, and uh, the Marriott, uh, really, really there for us, hugging us, and the dental supply companies that are starting to step up. I mean, there's been a shift. I think because of the uh, the need for community, the need for relationships, and the need for uh, actually doing good things. So if you want to list some of the dental supply and, of course, uh, uh, Sammy Nubisi with Miles of Smiles, and let's get them all in right now because we may not repeat all of them later, and then let's bring Alicorn. Uh, well, I don't have them all in front of me, so I'll go by memory. So one of them is PH Dental from Orange, California, um, a large company worth $10 million who supplies wonderful dental products and services to dentists all over the world, including implantology services and training and software and lead gen and websites pretty great company. And uh, of course, um, Dr. Sammy uh, Nimbisi, uh, who is in the um, Baltimore, Virginia area. He serves clients in that area and he does ceramic implantology as a niche specialty, uh, which attracted lots of dentists um, a week ago in New Orleans. And um, well, actually, and we have the other companies that were there. And we have next year, well, we have next year that we are going to have a lot more implantologists uh, attend. So, we want to let the world know that if they know someone who's doing implantology, this is a heck of a good conference and really an amazing people, amazing learning experience, and certainly very conducive to making smiles bigger and better and healthier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, there's uh, dental conferences all over the world that uh, Ken and I would love to attend, support, and and love on with a Keep Smiling movement as well. And not only just uh, dentists uh, go to these conferences, we also had um, Mr. Ziani, uh, who is, uh, his real name is Zia Ur. Urhe, I believe it's pronounced, and a doctor, or excuse me, Mr. Ziani has a beautiful um, suit company where they make these customized beautiful suits. They have beautiful leather belts and so forth, and he has become a recent sponsor for the Keep Smiling movement and put Ken in some lovely belts, and we'll be talking with him in the future on how to um, have Ken look his most dapper when he's on stage and taking pictures, and uh, so beautiful products there, so that's Mr. Ziani, and uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember the other uh, dental uh, services that we met there. Well, at, um, we'll, we'll, we'll put them on his Rick. links. Let's, let's bring on our guest because okay, I know good. he is eager to tell some jokes and he is probably one of the funniest <laughs> comedians you're going to hear in a while. All right. Well, first, we will still thank uh, the Keep Smiling movement, the Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America, and the Red Carpet Connection. And again, Hit Check, who uh, helped us out last year with uh, Soccer X and helped us to stay there longer. So uh, we do have somebody lovely with us that Ken have, I have known for a very long time, and that is Alec Stern. So Alec has more than 25 years' experience as a founding investor and hyper-growth agent for companies across various industries. He's really just a, you know, what you would call an innovator with extensive expertise in growing and scaling companies, startup and operational growth, go-to-market strategies, and strategic partnerships, and even more. He's a primary member of Constant Contact's founding team, and he was one of the original three who actually started the company in an attic. <laughs> so apparently you guys were um, in quarantine as well. He was with the company for 18 years from startup to IPO to a $1.1 billion acquisition. 
He's also been a co-founder on the founding team of other successful startups, including VMark, IPO and acquisition, and reaching Grasper Kane and most uh, cardi- and um, most cardio, amongst others. So he's done hundreds of keynotes all over the world at conferences that Ken and I have been with him, like Secret Knox, CEO Space, City Summit, Power Team International, Habitude Warrior, and many more. And he's also considered um, a keynote speaker at three out of the top five Inc. Magazine must-attend conferences. So um, he's quite amazing. Alec is also fun. He has a beautiful smile. He's uh, won multiple um, awards and helped um, participate as a judge and mentor for Techstars, Mass Challenge, and the Stevie Awards. And he also speaks at universities like Harvard and MIT. So uh, one other little thing about him is this man is also a musician. He's a drummer, and once in a while he has the pleasure of playing with people like Toby Keith's house band in Vegas. So welcome to the show, Alec Kurt. Skirt. Ah, Alec Stern. I can't talk this morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for having me. Uh, that was a, a very, very warm and uh, nice welcome. I appreciate that. Well, this is good. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, Alec. This is going to get a little bit warmer, a little bit mushier, because I have something i got to say to you. All right. Are you ready? I, I hope you're sitting down, because this is pretty, pretty emotional. All, All right. right. So here we go. Sit down. I'm sitting down. Sitting down. All right. Alec, I like you a lot. So <laughs> glad, I, glad I shared that I with love you. the accent. No, I <laughs> well, I, I, I like you a lot, too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are... You are quite the renaissance business entrepreneur that you can figure out things important like systems and scalability, things that if you don't think about them, they cause a lot of havoc or a lot of failure and non-growth. So um, normally I'd ask you, you know, how little Alec was and how he came in the world, but can we go to a cutting edge question since we've been talking about this uh, situation a lot of people are in of being quarantined? What does one do? What do you do? that um, allows growth to still happen when there's challenges like this? Yeah, and no, I appreciate that question. Um, I, I thought the show was going to go to personal hygiene, so I appreciate the shift. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> and I, do have, I, do use, I, I just want to state for the record, I am a toilet paper user, and I'm proud to say it. Um, yes. <laughs> two player one. Um, two player one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, but uh, extra, uh, ultra strong two ply. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll tell you yeah, what. Those, those, uh, uh, <laughs> those white bears, they get away with really saying a lot about the feeling of toilet paper, don't they? <laughs> they do. They, they do. do. <laughs> uh, they I mean, they make it. An, they make it an experience. <laughs> like you really do not want to leave the bathroom. <laughs> yep, and they, they have a jingle too. I mean, how many toilet papers paper companies have a jingle? Um, that's not that's true. But, uh, that's true. Uh, hey, yeah, uh, did so, you want to so, share a joke or anything before we start a- answering that question? Yeah, you you, uh, you gave me quite the lead in about being a top comedian. I, I would say I'm I'm uh, I'm one of the top dry sense of humor comedians. So it sort of comes with conversation more than telling a joke. So <laughs> okay, well I don't, I'm not. Really, I know. I, I actually I put really you right color. underneath. <laughs> I put you right underneath Stephen Wright. So that's quite a compliment. Oh, right under who? Stephen Wright. Did you say, okay, I know him well. He actually is from Boston, and I've met him many times. And I actually, ha- okay, really? I'll, I'll tell you one quick thing with Steve, Stephen Wright's story. Uh, backstage yeah. at, a, uh, at a concert, uh, uh, for, it was a benefit concert with all the comedians you can imagine. Jay Leno, uh, it had Conan O'Brien, it had Bobcat Goldthwait, it had Steve Sweeney, it had uh, Tony V. Uh, and of course, Stephen Wright. So, we, uh, uh, so we were backstage, and uh, we're standing there. And, and my friend's the host, and he he, he actually uh, worked with booking all of these comedians before they, uh, you know, in the early days uh, before they got really big. And so I was standing there, and so all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, Stephen Wright you know, says, "Hey, the uh, uh, kind of testing a joke." And he said, uh, "You know, the other day I went out and." Uh, bought a coffee table, you know, I got it on sale. It was a decaffeinated coffee table. <laughs> and so, you know, he, I said, have you used that? He's like, no. And I laughed and he's like, I'm going to use it tonight. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I, so that's my well, kind of humor. Yeah. Is it because he doesn't drink caffeinated coffee? I'm, I'm just kidding. You know, I actually didn't, kidding. I, I didn't, I didn't get his preference. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, does he French press? Does he, you know, make his own? Does he go to Starbucks or some other brand? I don't know. Good question. That is though. A- <laughs> that is a great. That is great, though. Decaffeinated coffee table, and that's that's unpublished. Yeah. Well, he did. He did go on and use it. So, 
uh, as part of his. Well, script, I, okay. Uh, yeah, but I mean, he, uh, for his, maybe it is published on the internet. Okay. Well, I'll check that out later. I, I love Stephen Wright. And when I say I love him, I'm, I'm actually saying I would want to marry him. So just so we're clear. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know, one way to get in, get, get to him is through these short, short documentaries that he's winning awards for, you know, almost annually. So <laughs> he's moved, he does, does still do, do comedy, but he's doing a lot of documentaries, which is really amazing. And they're, they have, they have his sort of style uh, in them, which is great. Well, I'll tell you, um, we're going. We're doing this show all backwards. Corona's got us tips upside down, and we still haven't even talked about Corona. So let's talk about the documentaries for a second. Uh, you obviously watch documentaries to make a statement like that. Um, you know, I'll be really frank. I don't. I, I'm actually more of a series guy, and uh, and watching series versus okay. uh, documentary. I do see some. I, I have seen some in the past, uh, but I don't have a lot of time for for TV. So I'll, uh, well, I'll documentaries are- uh, get caught up. Yeah, I'll get caught up with a series and sometimes get documentaries, but I'm more so on the series side, uh, which uh, just can get lost and and binge watch, you know, five seasons in a few days. <laughs> so, um, well, I'll tell you, uh, documentary wise, I'm a junkie, and I I didn't know he was doing documentaries, so I'll be googling that. We might have to put some links in for documentaries to watch that uh, Stephen Wright yeah. is making happen. That's awesome. All right, well, let's go back to your yeah. question about uh, what what should you do? You're quarantined, you don't have any toilet paper, and you got to run a business. What do you do? <laughs> wow, those are, uh, those are opposite uh, priorities that you need to focus on there. Um, so, so I'll stick with the ones that focus on the brain. Um, okay. And so I would say for, <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll go the other end. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, you know, I, I, the, the first thing I'd say about what's going on here, so I live in Boston and we're, we're for, for all intents and purposes, uh, we're, we're shut down, uh, requiring everyone to stay, uh, stand in or stay in place, I guess at home. And, um, you know, if you, there's, you know, you could still go to a supermarket, you get the essentials, you can go to a pharmacy, you could get takeout or delivery from restaurants, but there's no sit in. Um, and so, you know, I, from my perspective, um, I mean, I want you know, talk, talking like social distancing, physical distancing. I'm even focused on long distancing, you know, so it's given me an opportunity to, to really get back in touch and, and spend some quality time with, with folks in my life that I've, you know, you just don't have time for sort of day to day, week to week. Um, so from that perspective, uh, it's also, um, it's, it's, you know, with, with, you know, some of, some of the head clearing, you don't have the day-to-day things that are, that are kind of getting in your way or, or that will consume cycles. And so, so, you know, for me, it's been, um, you know, just, just, you know, using an innovative uh, mindset to think about, you know, new ideas or the ones that I'm involved with today, you know, how to take them to the next level. So I'm spending a lot of time on conference calls and, and, and strategizing and figuring out like, there may not be the ability to do things day to day, but but how how can you take a business to the next level? So, uh, yesterday I was on the call with an entrepreneur, and she's in the um, promotion promotional items business, and she works with a lot of um, artists, and which leads to concerts and other things. And of course, they don't need to order for their festivals and conferences all of the T-shirts and all the things because they're being either canceled or postponed. So it's sort of put put the business on hold, and so. You know, we're thinking, okay, let's, what, you know, with your skills and, and the, the infrastructure you have in place for your business, what could you potentially do? And so we were kicking around ideas for, um, you know, how she, how she could uh, kind of evolve in, in the, way, the way things uh, exist today. And so I got a first thing this morning, got mm-hmm. a message saying, can we, can we get on FaceTime? I've come up with a couple of ideas. So once we break from this call, I'm going to chat with her. And, and then, so, so again, figuring out how, to, how do you, how can you, uh, you know, kind of uh, be innovative with, with uh, sort of in the wake of the fact that we're all, uh, hopefully we're all, and the, my biggest concern with this situation is a lot of people are not taking it serious enough, and they're still in group gatherings and, and other things. And I'm hearing um, so many situations with people close to me that no one, no one I know directly has been tested positive, but a degree or two away from them or a neighbor or two away from them they are, and so it's just very concerning, and and it's all I think stemming from the fact that people are just you know putting themselves in an exposing situation to, you know, to obviously uh, um, you know 
uh, contracted and test positive. Well, Alec, let me cut in real quick. Um, do you know why? Um, do you know why this particular virus is so serious, and why the uh, the I, I guess the dramatic overreaction of measures are being put in place? Yeah. So, so uh, uh, I'm going to tell you from a layman's, you know, sitting on the sidelines perspective. I don't, I don't uh, claim to know uh, certainly to the level of others, but. But the, the from from just from what I've gleaned from this, I think the first the first thing is that um, it is extremely contagious and it can be passed very easily from person to person. And so, mm-hmm. uh, if someone having it, and, and, and you know, we had a situation with a company here that was at a conference with 150 people, and one person was positive, and at, uh, the last count I heard of the 150, 90 tested positive, right? So it just it can easily spread. So so the fact that um, you know, the, these carriers are, uh, you don't know for three, three days, I guess, you know, you don't see symptoms. So you're out there thinking I'm fine. And then you're exposing all these people. And it's, so it's, so there's sort of this, um, the rapid growth. And so the drastic measures of having people stand down in their homes and not be in contact with others is going to stop the, the rapid growth. If someone does test positive, then it's going to contain it to just them and their, whoever they, they're associating with which is usually immediate family or, or, or uh, uh, maybe, maybe a small group of friends. But, but the bottom line is that people are not adhering to this. And there a lot of, you know, I, this needs a federal kind of mandate that everyone should, you know, you know, stay in place and stay home and shut everything down. So there's a lot of states that, that you know, they're, they're sort of leaving things to the states and some states to the counties and, and so on. And, and there, no one's uh, sort of heeding that. And if we if we did shut everything down for a brief amount of time, you know, we could nip this from the rapid growth curve that it's on. Is just you know kind of one one's, one person's opinion here, but um, they're they're not, and there's no there's nothing coming from at the federal level to to say that. So some states, you know, four or five states so far have uh, you know declared you know sort of that that they're completely you know uh, shut shut down. And I'm not sure if you don't sort of hear about every state, kind of what the audit of what everyone else is doing. But my concern is that it's just going to continue to go on this, this rapid curve if we don't uh, keep, you know, keep everyone home. And that then requires this stimulus package that they're hope, hopefully going to be announcing and passing in the next few days to, to take care of everyone from a, a individual's perspective and the small businesses perspective with, with monies and programs to you know, keep them afloat during this tough time. Well, I was not surprised that you had a very educated answer. And I'll just expand on a couple of things I've seen and I guess add a little bit of uh, the the science or the numbers to what you said. So I watched a, a very compelling video, which we can make a connection to this show. And the gentleman <clears throat> was definitely a scientist and a numbers guy. And he says, you know, the reason people should take this seriously is because of what you said earlier about how easy it is to transmit and how quick it transmits. It transmits a lot quicker than SARS. And the issue we have is if, it, if the transmission happens too quickly, the bell curve goes way up very fast and crashes, but there's lots of deaths that happen because of the quickness of it, and we don't have the infrastructure to handle all the cases. So if everyone stays quarantined and we extend the bell curve let's say, uh, four, four or five different, uh, four or five times the length, then there is going to be a lot less death and there's also going to be a lot more ease in helping taking care of people that do have these cases. And the, uh, I think it was the complimenting video about a pond uh, that had a lily pad. And he says, if the lily pad was to duplicate every single day for 60 days, and 60 days was the maturation where the, everything in the pond was lily pads. How long would it take for the lily pads to be half of the pond? And um, mathematicians would laugh at that and say the 59th day, and that's exactly correct. So we don't understand the compound compounding of this virus, but we do know that it happens very rapidly. So at day 54 is when it finally hits 1%. <clears throat> And what the fear is in this particular virus is that it is growing so much faster than anything else we've seen that we just need to be very wary that quarantine 
actually extends that curve, that bell curve, so that people can be taken care of that are affected and not die because we have too many people affected at one time. So I, I just wanted to add that to your yeah, answer. Yeah, so, so the one, there's one thing, and I, I, again, this is, um, you know, one person's lay, lay, lay uh, uh, thought, but the, the, um, a lot of the other viruses, you know, they, when, when one person passes it to another and then to another, so I get it, I give you 10, you know, you give it to Andrea and so on. As it passes, um, you know, I guess it starts to weaken, you know, with its, you know, the mutation of it. And so I haven't heard anything if this is a situation where as it's passing from person to person, it's staying as strong as it, uh, that first, from that first person to the, to the next and so on, which would be of massive concern for this kind of, um, you know, uh, so I guess, you know, operating differently than some of the things in the past because, they talk of these things that it slowly dies. It, it will die off, you know, given that, uh, but it takes some time. And so, so I just think that, uh, and that, that's one point. The second point is I've heard uh, that, that, like, it's, it's the mutation of it. This is, like, a little different in different places, right? So how it, mm-hmm. what, what, it, what the characteristics of it in, say, China versus Spain versus here, that there, there's some different characteristics um, that, that then finding, uh, you know, something that, that could could you know, uh, you know a, a, a vaccine or a something that would would help curb it would be harder just because it it does uh, take on these different characteristics. So those are two things that you know again I don't have the science behind that and any any validation to the comment except uh, just just from looking at what's happened in the past versus now we haven't talked about you know these things that have you know been able to slow down the the issues. Uh, so so as a result. You know, we clearly have to take you know the matters into our own hands and and isolate, uh, just so that it can't be passed person to person. Exactly. So I'm going to have uh, actually Andrea close out the first segment with our sponsors, and we're going to come back and we're going to go heavy duty hitting with uh, who Alec is, uh, how you became who you are, and some really nice gold nuggets to apply in a uh, a 2020. Um, new revolution with this coronavirus attached to the challenge. Right. Sounds good. And again, thanks to our sponsors, Big Events USA, The Umbrella Syndicate, Voice America Influencer Channel, The Red Carpet Connection, and uh, the Keep Smiling Movement. (laughs) And we'll be back to you after these. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The Umbrella Syndicate amplifies good causes, good people, and good messages. They offer a suite of services that help people and businesses gain better exposure. Through working with the Umbrella Syndicate, you gain the ability to reach an audience of 50,000 unique people a week. They have recently reached over 20,000 followers on Facebook. You can view their photography and how they use it as a strong promotional tool on their Facebook fan page, facebook.com slash The Umbrella Syndicate. Show them your support by liking their page. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. This is Amplify. To reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. We also would love to hear from you via email to info at UmbrellaSyndicate.com. Now, back to Amplify. All right, welcome back. And it's kind of funny. We had a first segment where we talked mainly about a situation happening, the coronavirus. And we all know that Alec is very loyal to toilet paper. So we are good to go on that first segment. We're going to go to the second segment where we learn actually how Alec became who he is today and uh, what actually happened in his childhood that perhaps caused this journey to be what it is. So Alec, talk about where you were born. um, And if you can recall, I'm sure you can, uh, what actually things that happened and people who inspired you to become who you are. Sure. And I uh, appreciate that. So, um, 
my mom was from Boston, my dad from New York, so we were living in Connecticut. They were living in Connecticut while my mom was pregnant for both my sister and I separately. And uh, so she came back up to her network here in Boston to, uh, for, for both of us to be born. So I was born in Boston and five days later moved down to Connecticut <laughs> where I grew up, uh, then New Jersey, and I uh, went to college at Syracuse University. And after college, came back to Boston because since I was eight, we spent a lot of time up here with family and cousins and whatnot, and I, I just fell in love with Boston and said, I'm going to move there someday, starting at eight years old. So, so I, I fulfilled that uh, right out of college coming to Boston. Okay, got it. And so what happened in your childhood that actually, that you recall that actually caused you to think the way you do? Because you have a very unique way of approaching business, and it's um, really out of the box. So what happened yeah, in your childhood? So, uh, yeah, so... My uh, so my dad was actually uh, he was in textiles and he was involved in a lot of patents uh, for intimate apparel, uh, which could be another conversation. Um, but so so I got to see someone working so hard to uh, with a with a very uh, photographic memory, bright mind, uh, and uh, you know uh, sort of uh, really consuming himself and see uh, in, in his business. Um, that did lead to you know issues. We weren't close because he was he really was a workaholic. Uh, um, and so we just never could really uh, con- connect, nor did he really, uh, you know, longer story, but um, he just wasn't really sort of present, traveled a lot, et cetera. <laughs> My mom was a small business owner, um, and she, I, I actually uh, learned a lot from her and got pulled into the mix to help, you know, with some of her events and some of the, uh, the things that she was developing um, uh, with, with, she would hand, hand, handmade promotional products and, and uh, invitations and all kinds of things to, to run events. And, uh, and so, so I, I saw, saw, you know, someone with an entrepreneurial spirit kind of in the early days. And, um, but, but in growing up, you know, if, I, if you wanted something, you know, you had to go earn the money and get it yourself. And so I became an entrepreneur when I was a kid, you know, doing uh, shoveling, cutting lawns, car detailing, um, you know, house clean, you know, or, uh, like, you know, helping, uh, like empty out garages or reorganizing whatever people needed in the neighborhood. I was like the go-to kid. And then had other kids that worked for me. So when I would, you know, big snowstorm, we have four or five kids and I had all the jobs and I would, you know, just sort of assign them to help, you know, the, the youngest ones would do like the sidewalk or part of it anyway, or the steps maybe. And then, you know, a couple others and myself would do the more of that heavy lifting. And then I convinced the neighbor who had a, he had a dairy farm and he'd come home with one of the back, one of the plows, you know, from the dairy farm. And I would convince him, could, could he do like our driveway? And, and I actually convinced him one day to do a few others. So it was like two second job to push all the snow forward and clear a driveway. And uh, which he did me that favor and, and I got paid for it. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, uh, so I, I just I would then raise the money and and if I wanted some something then I could you know go on and, and buy it. So I quickly learned you know to be in a, you know an entrepreneur be be uh, go out and sell sell myself and sell the services and you know land clients and and then deliver good service and get get paid and tip. Uh, so that sort of started when I was very young and you know continued you know right up until high school and you know when I went on then went on to uh, get into business from there after college. So you kind of are known and famous for the MLSRS system, uh, which is redundant at the end, but it's the uh, multi-level snow removal service. So that's pretty cool. That's right. And uh, thank you for saying the the word and enunciating it the correct way, because I know that your name is mispronounced sometimes. And you said Connect, and you used my name properly in that. And you also said Connecticut. So... Thank you. I, I mean, I don't actually have guests very often that, because uh, I'm a Rhode Island boy and people don't actually say Connecticut right. And so you did it right. So thank you for that. I know Andrea okay. has a question sure. that she's eager to ask. And thank uh, the Red Carpet Connection actually makes a lot of radio shows happen that she uh, has relationships with lots and lots of amazing speakers across the United States and world. And she brings them to wonderful shows like this. So, Andrea, thank you for doing that. And I know you had a question for Alec. Yeah, I do. Um, so, um, Alec, right now, you know, we're 
people are looking to do startups, even in an industry right now where we have, you know, crazy things happening in the world, there are other people who are seeing solutions to problems out there and are wanting to create, I just had somebody call me last night, uh, seeking investors for a new kind of telemed and webinar system that they had already started prior to this and really want to kick off now. So my question to you is about, you know, seeking and finding investors. Um, what are some suggestions that you give for both profit and, you know, Ken and I have the um, Keep Smiling movement, so we are personally um, interested in as well as from a nonprofit standpoint. Um, how do you find investors? What are the best ways to approach people and what to present them with? Uh, sure, yeah. I just recently did an article on, on this on, on uh, the smart factor, which is what I sort of call it. And that, that goes beyond just investment. Um, you know, the smart factor is finding a co-founder or someone to help you with the idea. It's finding uh, your, your employees, hiring smart. It's, you know, partnerships and sponsorships and, of course, in, investing. And it's, it's sort of everything. And on the investment side, there's a, the, the smart factor is a couple things. One, it's aligning yourself with somebody who, who is aligned with what you're focused on. You know, a lot of people see, uh, so, for example, you know, you might go get friends and family. You might go get angel investment. You might get seed funding from either angels or a venture capital firms, or you might go get, you know, actual funding from, from venture capital. Um, and so, you know, not every, like, it's like if you went to a bank and you went to any bank and said, I want a loan, pretty standard. You could ask any bank for a loan. But if you're looking to raise, raise money, you have to find the specific um, person or firm that, uh, you know, that, that, is, that is aligned with your, your, your sort of your vision and then your mission and your, your focus. And so the first mistake everyone makes is like, oh, venture capital. I know this guy's a venture capitalist. Let me go ask him for money. And, and, and then, you, you know, you need to do your sort of research to say, okay, who, like, who is somebody that's uh, been in the space before? So that they've been in nonprofit or they've, they've been in the, the, you know, kind of the area of focus. Like, they work with small business and I work with small business. So they've, they've created a product for small business. So they're aligned with your target market. They're aligned with uh, potentially complement to what you, you're doing as a business. Um, and that, that takes away so many of the objections and concerns when you talk to someone who says, well, you know, I don't really invest in stuff like that or, um, you know, it's not in my wheelhouse, you know. And so, so in instances, those are great people if you know them well or you have a one-degree separation from them um, where you would say, I would love to just do an in- informational session to, you know, to tell you what we're doing and get your feedback where you're not actually pitching them because there's, they're not going to give you money in the end. And the last thing you want to do is pitch a ton of people that are not in sort of in the sweet spot wheelhouse or, you know, kind of that smart factor, having invested in other things like it or have had a career in things like it or, or have worked with nonprofit, uh, potentially even aligned with what your, your mission is. Um, and so, so you know, you'll, you'll have a lot of no's. And that can hurt you more if someone says to you, so let me ask you, who have you spoken to? or pitch the idea to, and you say, well, 10, 10 venture capital firms. How many have expressed interest in investing? None. Well, that's a huge red flag. They're going to like, there's a problem here. And the problem is you weren't smart about who you went and talked to, uh, to actually formally pitch them the idea. So, so you get yourself buttoned up. You find some people as mentors, advisors, run their idea by them, you know, tune your idea, go to your target market of who you're actually serving, and get their feedback to make sure what you're working on is aligned with solving their goals and objectives. Because if you can meet your target market's goals and objectives, you're onto something. Um, and then you go into your network and you do research to find what corporations or foundations would invest, you know, in, in say that nonprofit. You know, what, what um, successful entrepreneurs are investing in ideas like yours uh, for nonprofit. And then for business, you know, just as I said, target target your idea and focus finding those needles in the haystack of the venture or angel, uh, you know, folks that can, uh, can give you money. Okay. So um, you alluded a little earlier of helping someone who is in the event business from a promotion musician standpoint, but uh, as you know, the Key Smiling Movement thrives in being at events and capturing the smiles of leaders, influencers, specific leaders that lead with their heart. Um, 
what would you advise to a company that is all of a sudden shut down or in, where their main um, their main target market is and they're in the event business? I know doing um, virtual events is one of the solutions, but what's something that's more monetized? Yeah, I mean, it's a great, great question. And I, I obviously speak, uh, as mentioned, at many conferences, very close to many hosts that have talked to several hosts of conferences that are now grounded with the next two to four events that they're planning. And so, you know, that just, that's, you know, basically grounding and shutting down the business for now. And so, so as you mentioned, the first, you know, when we're seeing it, I'm on a bunch of virtual conferences coming up that have moved from in-person to virtual. They've pushed the in-person later. They're changing the format you know, a bit to what they're going to do online. They're offering it in some cases free. So it's a good way for people to get to know the community, get to know the, the uh, focus around the event. Um, and they're going to do different things than just having a bunch of you know, talking heads on, 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 on the virtual. And they're saving the, the actual, um, the, the real meaty, presentations for the live once once we come back online and can do that. So so there's an adjustment to kind of what they're doing, and yes, they're going online. The second thing is I've, you know, I've challenged them all to say, you know, you've been doing this for a long time, and what do you have in your tool bag of content um, past speakers? You know, they're all getting video recorded, and some, some folks share them, some don't. Some put them behind a, you know, a, a, a login, and I like, you know, can you monetize what you have? Can you, can you structure it in a way where you're offering up rich content, um, you know, and not just throwing a link to a bunch of videos, but, you know, um, organizing it a bit better and, and giving it sort of channels around topics like this is around mindset and, and personal growth. This is around business and, you know, and, and business, you know, business growth. And this is around, you know, marketing and, you know, and, and, or whatever it may be. And, and then figure out, can you, can you go back to all the people that have attended, you know, your events in the past and then uh, plus their network and invite folks in to maybe, you know, purchase uh, a membership to get access to the archives and, and all the stuff that's there uh, and then repurpose them and, and send it out to those that subscribe and, and so on. So there's a lot of, I think there are a lot of ways that uh, people can think about um, maybe going back and seeing, the, you know, what, 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 golden nuggets do they have in terms of, you know, content that could possibly be monetized to, to past uh, or current to, you know, potential attendees and maybe, you know, some future ones through the, the network of the, the ones that passed that came and enjoyed it and could see someone else benefiting. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. That was a great response. And have you authored a book yet? Uh, I have not. I'm, uh, I've got the framework for two, um, possibly a third. Well, no, no, three with you uh, smiling. I thank you, you smiling, being the four, first one. So that's four. Thank you, four. Yeah, four. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, all right. The reason we heard, I ask it, you is, we heard it live. We heard it live. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, Alec, you're, you're one of those people that. I would buy the book that actually cracks the code of whatever the situation is, and I I came with a book title, um, just for, just for fun, just for fun that. Um, I throw it on the air right now just to say I would give this to you because you're such a great mind. And it is called Covert COVID, so coronavirus, business strategies yeah. and tactics. Like there's really a need for a book that says this is how you hack a situation like this, a pandemic. Like how do you right. how do you profit in a pandemic? And and it's not profit in a bad way. It's how do you actually flourish or have abundance or just not succumb to actually, uh, you know, it's scarcity. So, yeah, that, I, that, I, that's a great, great, great title. And I think the last thing I would say, just because you just sparked the, this thought, is that people, people uh, in the situation we're in today, this is your opportunity to step back and th- think strategically and how can you innovate with your business. Look at all aspects of your business today and how can you, how can you advance it? Because we're, we're in the tactical every day. And I have so many small businesses, entrepreneurs, and startups. Like, what are you doing to step back? you know, to look at things strategically, the big, the big vision, you know, the, you know, we have this five-year uh, vision to do X, Well, what are you doing every day to, to get there? Well, you're doing a lot of tactical stuff, but if you really step back, got out of the day-to-day, you know, got, go to conferences and hear great talks and network with others and clear your head of the day-to-day, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, you know, in, in uh, before the virus, 
But now here's your opportunity to really think through that and then and you know get some peers. If you're the if you're a startup founder, you know get on a a Zoom call with a bunch of other startup founders and, and put strategic ideas out there and how, how would you tackle them. And so this, this is an opportunity to, to think of ways to innovate on your, on your existing idea. Uh, you can also start to get, you know, get some feedback on it from, from a lot of different sources. And so, so I, I'm challenging all the startups that I've mentored and been advising or on the board to think, think, use this as think time to be strategic. Well, actually, uh, I, we're going to move to rapid fire a little earlier than normal because I, I think you've given us such great content and also we've addressed some uh, really uh, ap- applicable ways of actually dealing with the situation we have at hand. So I, I, I wanted to – there was something I wanted to say that was – oh, yes. Yeah, so Andrea gave a book to me, uh, gosh, about a year or two ago that I read to my son on a pretty regular basis called What Would You Do With An Idea? And they're the oh. same authors – actually have another book that's very applicable to the situation that's happening now. It's called, What Do You Do With a Problem? Or what if, what if You Have a Problem? And at about three quarters into the book, the problem gets so big, it's like a hurricane. It's just like making the kid worry and his, his whole world is falling on him. And all of a sudden, he says, I'm going to tackle this problem. And when he tackles it, an opportunity comes out of it. So I think that really speaks to what you're talking about is every problem that has a business actually in angst is actually the opportunity for that business to flourish because when they solve it, they're that much better than any other competitor. Right, and it's time for a reset. You have that opportunity to reset anything uh, because you're you're not in the (laughs) day-to-day and and, and on on that hamster wheel. Yeah, and and to that point, if if, uh, Steve Jobs and... Uh, had all the money he needed, he would have never had to think about how to make something better or something that is impossible almost. I'm going to interrupt a second too because Ken, last year when you had your car accident, um, you started writing a book called Reset and that hasn't been published yet. And uh, definitely there's so many things that have happened over the course of this year that continue happening for Reset. I really see a series of, of, of more than one set, you know, personal health, personal business, you know, the world. Um, there's three different components of Reset that have been happening around you. So I'd like to encourage you to finish your own book, uh, your well, 27th. I think- <laughs> I have well it's a black cover it's a black cover with a red button it says reset on it and I think I'm going to change it to Alex's face with a red button on his nose saying reset and I think that is <laughs> the way I do. Okay uh, listen so, Alex, I, I'll, uh, I'll I'll let you do that if uh, if that's what you think will sell that book <laughs> <laughs> Well that is the kindest thing that is the kindest thing cuz I I actually I see the love that you bring to your audiences you really care about providing them and you care about actually relationships, so I want to acknowledge you for that. You're an amazing person. Oh, You've been you. successful, and you always share your success. So let's go ahead and go to rapid fire. And here I'm going to start off with: uh, given that you're probably uh, a well-read person, you can expand any of these answers to a couple. So, what is a book that changed okay. your life? And you are up to you can give up to two or three. Okay. Well, I, I, the one I, the one I will always lead with is uh, "Start with Why" by Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that 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 we we in life we don't look at uh, uh, solving or, or providing an opportunity or a product or a service and, and and really starting with the why like why would this be why would this mean anything to me why would I do that why would I buy that you know we always go to the how and what you know the speeds and feeds and the features and you know the bottom line is you know it, it's a great book and it shares a lot of examples of first movers that had, had, had disrupted and come up with a brand new idea, but didn't market it through the why, and then the, the, the follow-on company coming out that did the why and actually really succeeded. So, so I think, you know, that's one I, I just, I, I'm always challenging myself and challenging others to, to, uh, to actually, you know, start, start, with, start with the why of, you know, whatever you're doing. Well, we have a lot of questions, Alex, so keep them shorter yeah, than that. Yeah. Please, please. But I, I agree with you. That That is one of the best books to start off with. Uh, Andrea? Um, yeah, so for this one, just the title. What is a song that really gets you jazzed and motivated? Don't Stop Believing by Journey. God bless you. Awesome. God bless you. All right. Uh, besides Frozen 2, what is a movie that inspires you? <laughs> <laughs> um, as I said, I watch series. So, I mean, any, any, all the comedies. Um, you know, I just, I, I get inspired by humor. <laughs> so, 
uh, you can name name all the Eddie Murphy movies and the you know the Beverly Hills Cop and you know, all the Bill Murray movies, etc. Is that your favorite comedian? Um, no, uh, Eddie. Uh, so, so honestly, it's funny you say that, but Stephen Wright is my favorite for style. And I've had the I've been fortunate to have met many just because my friend, as I mentioned, was their booking agent. Uh, but uh, I loved I loved uh, uh, Bobcat Goldthwait and a few others. Oh, but, but Steve, gosh, he was great. Steve, uh, funny, yeah, Steve Sweeney and also Stephen Wright. Stephen Wright, obviously. Cool. So. All right, Andre. If you had a superhuman power, what would it be? Oh, <laughs> um, let's see, Captain uh, Captain Motivation. I thought you were going to say Captain Underpants. I was. If you said Captain Underpants, this show was over. <laughs> you were going to get a full body shot on the book. I have not heard the word underpants uh, in a long time. <laughs> yeah, but I I now want to do another book, and I want to do a book with you on the front cover in underpants and holding toilet paper and saying, I am ready to take on life. Are you? All right, so that's great. Uh, <laughs> okay, got it. <laughs> All right, so I, I know that you said you're uh, doing four books, and the first one was the Keep Smiling book. So thank you for putting ours all the way at the very top. So that was awesome. Sure. Um, sure. Your Keep Smiling book is going to address a nonprofit and something that we raise money for to address uh, providing support, financial, and also exposure marketing. What is the nonprofit that hits you in the heart the most that you want to actually support, and why? Real quickly, why? Yeah. So, yeah. That, that that's a longer longer conversation, but. Um, I've just been, I've been involved with hundreds. Uh, and so there's just, there's some areas that I focus on. So animals, um, you know, uh, health, uh, sexual and domestic violence. um, So that's a lot. uh, Which one do you want to do for Keep Smiling? Which Keep Smiling nonprofit? I'm not, I'm I'm, I'm tough to answer, but I would say one of them is Courageous Sailing Center here in Boston that takes kids from the inner city in the afternoons and teaches them how to sail and they're, they're, they okay. teach them math and other things while through the program. And these kids go on to, you know, go on to finish high school and, co- and go to college. So it's, it's a great All one. Right, so that we're unfortunately running out of time, uh, Alec. And this, as, as I always happens when you're with a wonderful person, the time goes by too quickly. And one of the quick uh, uh, questions we want to ask in rapid fire, we're just not going to have time to, is where is the Boston Marathon run? And we're just not going to have time to ask you that. So don't worry about that question or that answer. Uh, we're going to finish off with our final one. Real quickly, what is a quote you live by? Uh, so uh, accomplishments are something to build on, not rest on. Beautiful. So Alec, you've been amplified. You have a beautiful heart. We are so excited that you were able to spend an hour with us. And thank you for, in this very, very challenging time, giving us real answers and real solutions to really taking on and being abundant and being amplified. So I love you. Thank you so much, Alec. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. Mm -hmm. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of Amplified. Be sure to join Ken Rashad again next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, go get your message heard.